and welcome to mini episode 92 of Real Life Ghost Stories. To kick things off this week, we need to thank our newest Patreon subscribers. I would like to thank Rebecca Crispo, Erin1982, Corin Truer, JJ, Catherine Gail Taylor Howe, Courtney Mack, Kelly San Filippo, Seth Adams, Christina May, Gwen Staggs, Matt Osborne, Lisa Broughton, Orm, Elizabeth Stayrook, Vanessa Olmos, Nerida Hanna, Owen Walsh, Debbie Murphy, Francis Leonard, and Rosemary Johnson. Thank you so much for supporting on Patreon. It is so appreciated, and I am thankful for you every single day. And I have three spooky listener stories for you today. The last story comes from August the 21st, 2020, and the first story comes from Colleen. When my kids were small, we were looking for a house that was reasonably priced and could house us all. Not an easy task in Miami, Florida. We lived in a neighbourhood called Coconut Grove, which had been settled in the 1800s by Bahamian immigrants. Many of the houses were quite old, of the shotgun style, so called because you could stand at the front door and fire a shotgun straight out of the back door. The bedrooms were typically all along one side of the house, and since most of the houses predated indoor plumbing, kitchens and bathrooms were added on to the back of the house. The house had started off as a two-bedroom, with a small third probably added around the same time as the kitchen and bathroom. The rent was quite affordable and we couldn't believe our luck. That should maybe have been our first clue. My husband and I took the front bedroom, the three boys took the middle and the two girls got the smaller third bedroom in the back. The girls were about six and ten at the time and right from the start they refused to sleep in that room. I would put them to bed and shortly after they would come running out crying saying they were afraid and didn't want to stay in there. We would open the sofa bed for them so they could sleep closer to my room. Every time I went in there to clean or to put away laundry, I would feel slightly disoriented, dizzy, and sometimes there was a nauseating stench, like rotting flesh. I thought maybe a dead rat or a possum, and would send my husband crawling under the house to look for the source. He never found a dead animal, and the stench would go away only to return a few days later. Meanwhile, the girls remained absolutely terrified to go into that room, and would only run in to grab clean clothes and run right back out again. One night we were all getting ready for bed, and the girls were in their room getting their night clothes, when they came running, screaming out of the room. They jumped into my arms, sobbing and shaking with terror. There's a man in there! There's a man in the room! The older girl sobbed hysterically. My husband jumped up, grabbing his machete, and went straight to the back room, only to return a moment later. I don't see anybody. No one is there, he said. The girls looked up and screamed again. Papa, Papa, he's right behind you. I could smell him before I could see him. That stench of decaying flesh I recognised as the same that permeated the girls' bedroom sometimes. I looked up and sure enough, there he was, standing right behind my baffled-looking husband. He was an elderly black man wearing dirty pyjama pants and an equally dirty undershirt. His hands were held up before him, palms up, like he was supplicating for mercy. He was mouthing the word help as he shuffled into the living room, hands outstretched. I was overcome by an inexplicable desperate thirst 
and had such a feeling of sadness come over me I literally burst into tears. And then he was gone. My husband never saw a thing, and the boys who came running hearing their sister's scream didn't either, but I could pick him out in a lineup. That's how clear and how solid he was. I asked an elderly neighbour if anyone had died in that house, and she said yes a long time ago. It was an elderly man who was sick with diabetes, who was living with his daughter who was supposed to be taking care of him. She neglected and abused him terribly, and he died of blood poisoning, caused by a diabetic ulcer becoming gangrenous. You saw him, didn't you? She said. We moved out within a week. This one is actually kind of funny, even though it does involve a malicious little bastard of a ghost and a giant iguana. Different house, same area. After my husband and I split up, I somehow inherited his pet iguana named Zeus. I actually liked Zeus, he was quite large, and we let him wander the house at will. But he got so big and he loved to lay on my youngest boy at night, so we built him a large cage in the backyard around a tree, complete with a warming rock. He was quite comfy in his penthouse suite and was able to climb the tree and explore like a proper iguana. But anyway, within a few weeks of moving in, I started having multiple nightly episodes of sleep paralysis, feeling like someone was sitting on my chest and I was unable to move or make a sound. I often heard thumping in my room and around the house, and sometimes I would catch a shadowy figure out of the corner of my eye. I would wake up in the middle of the night hearing a man laughing. I was getting exhausted from lack of sleep. One particularly cold night in February, as we were all getting ready for bed, I made sure the boys plugged in Zeus's heating rock so he wouldn't freeze overnight, and we all went to bed. A few hours later, I had the now familiar feeling of someone sitting on my chest, but this time, I opened my eyes to find a man staring down at me, his face twisted in a grin. Suddenly he was gone and I could breathe, but I could hear his laughter echoing around the room. I got up, turned on the lights, and went into the kitchen to make a cup of tea. My bedroom door opened up to the kitchen table, and as I was sat there with my cup, I could see movement through the crack of the open door. Feeling entirely fed up with this bullshit, I put on my sternest mom voice and said, What do you want? Why are you here? What the fuck is wrong with you? As he peered around the doorway, his eyes met mine. He had a sheepish grin on his face as he came into full view in the doorway. He smiled at me, shrugged his shoulders, and then he was gone. He was a young black man no more than 20 years old, slight of build, short, wearing pants and nothing else, no shoes and no shirt. He had a medium-length afro and his face was clean. I can literally picture him now, even though it's been about 15 years or so since it happened. So the next morning I was getting up. The kids started waking up and my middle son comes to me and says, Mom, I have something to tell you. There was a man in my room last night. He kept sitting on my bed and shaking me awake. I asked him what the man looked like. He said that he was short. A slim black man wearing only pants, no shirt and no shoes. I told him that I would take care of him because I'm super mom. I told him to go outside and check on Zeus and feed him his breakfast. He came running back in to say that Zeus was dead. I was pretty sure he wasn't dead, but I went out to his warming rock and I see that it had been unplugged somehow during the night. 
Fun iguana fact, when it gets cold, iguanas can appear frozen solid, even falling out of trees. And then when the sun comes up, they warm up and walk it off like nothing happened. And I was sure this is what happened to Zeus. So I dragged this giant lizard to the pavement and waited for the sun to do its thing and resurrect my pet. But nope, after a few hours in the sun, I was forced to admit that Zeus had indeed died. So I called my ex and tell him to come and bury his dead iguana. He came over with a shovel and I went about my day trying to figure out what I was going to do about the dead man who was trying to give me a heart attack when I tried to sleep. After about 20 minutes or so, my ex called me to the back door where he had laid out some very interesting bones. What do you think, he asked. A Rottweiler? I stared at the bones. No, that's a fucking human femur and a pelvis. Is that vertebrae? I'm calling the police. So I called the police and explained the situation and they came out, yellow taped my yard and exhumed the body. There was indeed an entire person buried in my backyard. I watched as they carried out the body bag and the police officer turned to me and said, Well, that's all of him. I just have one question. Ma'am, why was there an iguana buried on top of him? I just pointed to my ex and said, ask him. And that was the last I ever saw of that particular ghost. I guess he just wanted to be found. Also, another funny iguana story that is not uncommon here in South Florida. During our very brief winter when iguanas fall from trees, there is almost always some fool who goes around rescuing the fallen iguanas, putting them into their heated cars and driving around looking for more. And once the iguanas wake up, they are now crawling around in a moving vehicle. Fun times. And story number two comes from Nikki. My story starts in Ireland in my parents' home, just seeing shadows out of the corner of my eye, walking out the front door or running up the stairs. Small things that maybe you can explain away as imagination or being tired. Now, I would like to mention that I'm sceptical about every ghost story, but I'm open to the idea of them being true. I always try to come up with a logical explanation first, though. When I moved into an apartment of my own in the last year of secondary school, I wanted to try living alone before leaving the country for college. And that's when I noticed either whatever I used to see in my parents' home followed me, or I moved into some very haunted apartment. I would come home from school or the shop or wherever I had been and either the kettle was just boiled or was boiling as I walked into the apartment. At first I chalked it up as crappy wiring in an old building. After a couple of weeks there I would leave and make sure all of the doors were closed and the lights were off and I would have everything plugged out. The kettle, TV, chargers and all other electronics that I had. I would come home to the door slightly ajar or all the way open against the door spring at the bottom to stop it from hitting the wall. That made me call my dad to come and change the locks. I thought someone was coming in and opening the doors because nothing was moved or missing. Now this apartment was maybe 300 metres away from a little, so I'd leave the apartment any time I wanted a snack and just leave the place a mess, lock the door, go and get my snacks and be back in under five minutes. So one night I did just that dragged my lazy arse out of the Netflix all-day cosy bed and ran down to Lidl. When I got back, I walked in, dropped my stuff and left immediately and called my dad. My bedroom had been turned upside down. All of my things were all over the floor. 
My clothes were dumped out everywhere, blankets, pillows on the floor, but the sheets that were on the blankets and pillows were folded perfectly in the middle of the double bed. My dad came over and went into the apartment and when he came back out he said no one was in there and nothing was missing, but I needed to clean my room because it was a mess. He thought I had left my bedroom that way and I was just scared of being on my own. I quickly packed my shit and noped the fuck out. Later I moved country for college and I was in another apartment going to college from 8am to 3pm Monday to Friday and working from 4pm until around 9 or 10 every day apart from Sunday so I wasn't in the apartment very often usually only on a Sunday because Saturday the library was my home. In this apartment I would see shadows and I would put things down and a few minutes later go to get it like my keys, my phone, my purse, my glasses and I would say a few times my sanity because then it would be in a different place when I went looking for them but usually I would just say I was losing my mind because I was exhausted and only survived on caffeine, cereal bars and takeaway food and sweets. It was in the middle of February and there was a big snowstorm that left the whole country in three feet of snow So everybody took a week off. I was delighted. I planned to sleep for a week until I had to go back to school and work. The first couple of nights were great. I slept without the alarm, slept past 8am, actually used the kitchen for its intended purpose and cooked meals in batches so I could freeze them and I didn't have to get last minute pizza every night after work. That week I started to notice and pay attention to the fact that when I put things down and left the room I would come back and the item that I'd put down would be gone. I started looking up if I was having some sort of breakdown or some sort of mental health issue because I was alone and I would see shadows and lose things all the time. I do not recommend googling anything like what is wrong with me because Google is a bitch and gives the most extreme answers like a brain tumour or just dying or some god-awful illness. So I basically was thinking the worst case scenario was that I've got a tumour and I'm losing my mind. But my doctor assured me that it was lack of restful sleep and gave me melatonin for bedtime to relax me and hopefully make me sleep better. My lease was up so I went to get another place with my then boyfriend and we found a one bedroom apartment in the city really cheap in a newish building maybe five or ten years old. Here's where all the stuff I was seeing and what was happening was finally witnessed by somebody else. My boyfriend started losing his things in the apartment and blamed me for messing with him or moving his stuff around He would see a shadow person walk by the door and call out to me and obviously I wouldn't answer because it wasn't me. While he was in the shower he saw a figure in the bathroom through the shower curtain and I wasn't actually in the bathroom or anywhere nearby. What made him start to look into hauntings was that we both had laptops that would malfunction in the same way at the same time. We would shut them down and go to bed and one night we were woken to the sound of music in the living room. So we both went to check and see with a shoe or a pillow as a weapon for any intruder that decided to play music in the middle of the night. And the laptop would be visually off but odd music would be playing from the speakers. Or we would put a laptop on the desk when we went to bed and we would wake up from a light in the room and it would be the laptop in the middle of the floor. He found some article online about burning herbs to make ghosts go away. So we did it in the apartment and it seemed to help. Fast forward a few years later, that boyfriend is now my husband and we have a daughter together and we live back in Ireland. We're renting an old property that was built in the 50s. When we moved in, the day we moved in, 
I saw what I thought was a little boy around five or six years old running around the banister at the top of the stairs. But the door was open and we were just in and out bringing in boxes and furniture so I presumed that it was a neighbouring child that was just having a bit of fun. And I called up to him and said, you can play for a few minutes but then you have to go back to your mammy's house. I just kept bringing in the boxes. Once the moving van was empty, we sat down and made a cup of tea and I asked my husband to go and tell the little boy that it was time to go home. He asked what boy? So I told him that I saw one running up the stairs. He went to check and came back down and said he must have gone out already because we left the door open as it was warm and we wanted to air out the house anyway. That night after setting up the beds and unpacking some of our things, we went to bed. Our daughter is a sleepwalker. She gets out of bed at night to go to the toilet and would still be snoring while on the toilet and go back to bed still snoring on top of the blankets, sprawled across the bed like a tiny drunk person who just crawled in from an all-nighter. I woke up in the night and saw what I thought was my daughter standing next to my bed and I just mumbled, go back to bed. And then I realised that the kid wasn't snoring. So I got up to check and my daughter was in her bed all snuggled up under the blankets. Clearly it was not the three-year-old sleep drunk so I looked around and found nothing and no one so I went back to bed. We lived there for six years and I would see him often and my daughter would play with someone myself or my husband couldn't see. But I didn't really mind because it didn't feel bad or evil. There was a sort of peaceful feeling to the house. When we were getting ready to buy our now home, my sister and her boyfriend and her kids decided to take over the lease that I had. I didn't tell her anything of what happened in the house, because I thought it was just me. The night my sister moved in, it was about 3am, and she had called me and asked me was the house haunted. I asked her why she would ask that and she went quiet and asked again, is the house haunted? So I told her I used to see a little boy running around sometimes or my daughter would play with someone we couldn't see. She then went on to explain that she was in bed and felt a small hand on her back rubbing it and when she turned no one was there and her kids were sleeping. She has had the house blessed and to this day, two years later, she still sees him or feels him in the house. There is never anything bad, so she has just accepted it. My new home has no activity and is very quiet. Nothing weird happens and nothing goes missing. And I don't see the shadows here. And story number three comes from Alex. About a year ago, my daughter was around 18 months old. It was a regular routine night. I had fed her, given her a bath, and we were laying down in my bed ready to go down for the night. At this point in time, she still used a pacifier to soothe herself as she was falling to sleep. And she did this really cute thing where she would hold two or three in her hands at one time and switch them out periodically. We have a king-sized bed, and once she had fallen to sleep, I moved her to the middle of the bed with all of her pacifiers, and went into the living room to hang out and watch TV until I was ready to go to sleep. It was around 10pm when my husband and I came back into the room to lay her in her crib. She was right where I left her in the middle of the bed as if she hadn't moved at all. When I went to lift her into the crib, I noticed that all of her pacifiers were missing, which was odd, because even in her sleep she clung to them for comfort, 
Although we have a big bed, our room is shared and not very big because we live in a one-bedroom apartment. I laid her in her crib and asked my husband to help me search for the pacifiers. I knew that if she woke in the middle of the night, they would help her get back to sleep rather quickly. We all but tore the room apart looking for them, and they were nowhere in sight. I let it go even though I thought it was weird because I was very tired and I just decided to go to sleep. The next morning we were getting ready for work and I joked that the ghosts in our apartment had stolen her pacifiers. Okay, I said jokingly to the air. It was funny but you can put them back now. We finished getting ready and left for work at the same time. My husband usually gets home around two hours before me. I arrived home with our daughter and he was in the living room watching TV as he normally did. I put her down and went into the bedroom to change out of my work clothes. The feeling of dread that passed through me when I saw my daughter's three pacifiers perfectly arranged in the middle of her crib was almost overwhelming. I poked my head back into the living room and asked my husband if he had been in the bedroom since we got home. He told me he hadn't been. I told him about her pacifiers and he agreed that it was weird but shrugged it off. I know they weren't there that morning. I guess this story can be explained away, maybe I just didn't see them with her the night before, and I didn't notice them there in the morning time. But I thought it was too much of a coincidence, considering I had jokingly addressed the ghost that morning. I've always had the feeling that I'm being watched in that room, but I chalked it up to paranoia. But maybe it isn't after all. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode and thank you to Colleen, Nikki and Alex for sending in your stories. Just a reminder that the last story came from August the 21st, 2020. If you would like to send in your own story, you can do so by emailing it to reallifeghoststoriespodcast at gmail.com. You can always check out our website, reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. And on that note, we shall see you next time. <laughs>